0: The reading this morning is from John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Father God, meet us as we are here with you this morning. Amen. So today we have for our text a really beautiful story. This is a story that comes right at the end of John's Gospel. And uh, John has almost concluded his work. He tells us in the chapter before this story, that um, he has decided which stories of Jesus' life and ministry to share in his gospel. And he also tells us later in this chapter that he hasn't written everything down, because if he did, there wouldn't, be book, there wouldn't be enough space in the world to store all the books. So John has made his choices about what's in and what's out of his gospel. And he's decided that this story is in. So this is the story that makes it for the final part of his work. So it's significant for John, and it's also really significant for us. And I think that's because this story really sums up the saving work of Jesus and the impact of his salvation that's available to all of us now. So uh, just before, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, Peter denied that he knew Jesus. He denied Jesus three times. In effect, he sinned. Then we have the death of Jesus. We have the resurrection of Jesus. And here we have the forgiveness and the restoration of Peter. Sin, death, resurrection, restoration. This story completes the whole picture. And this is why it's significant for us. So, as we look at this this morning, this story is called The Reinstatement of Peter. As we look at it, I want us to think about three things. So, the first thing is, why is this so significant? The second is, what can we learn from how Jesus went about this process with Peter? There's loads of really interesting things in in how he did this. And the third thing is, what are the implications for us today? So, let's turn first to why this is significant, I wonder if you can recall a time when you behaved towards someone else or towards God, which was not okay. It was not acceptable. It was not appropriate. And I wonder, as you're bringing that back to mind, what feelings that you're experiencing. I wonder if um, you're you're re-experiencing those horrible feelings that you had when you either realized or you acknowledge that you hadn't done something well, that you'd sinned against that person. Those feelings weigh very heavily on me. Um, I'm sure they do on you, but they do for me. That sense of guilt that sticks with me, that sense of guilt that I need to put this right, Um, I need to face the discomfort of making an apology, or I need to make amends in some way. But not only do I feel that sense of guilt... I feel another uh, experience as well, which is shame. I really dislike what I've seen in myself. I dislike that part of me that's just come to the surface. And I really dislike that other people have seen it too. And I feel full of shame. It triggers this sense that I'm not enough, I'm not okay. Approaching the other person when I feel the guilt, but more importantly when I feel the shame, is actually very difficult to do. What I would rather do is keep it hidden, keep it down, and just bury it. I'd rather step back and and make sure that I'm out of the picture. Well, this is where we join Peter. We join Peter not long after he'd done exactly that kind of thing to his dearest friend, Jesus. Peter had, um, on the Mount of Olives, just before uh, Jesus' arrest, Peter had declared to him, even if all these others remain, even if all these others fall away, I will remain. That was his promise. And, and within hours, he had fallen short of his own expectations of himself and his own declaration. He'd gone to the high priest's house. Jesus was inside. He was warming himself outside by the fire, and three times different people said to him, "Do you know that man?" And Peter had said, "No, I don't. I don't know him." He'd, he'd let down Jesus at the time that Jesus most needed him. And I suspect he was filled with those feelings of guilt and shame. We read that he wept when the cockerel crowed. So here we have Peter who is holding these feelings. I wonder how long he had to live with those. So we know that after Jesus rose again, he met the disciples and he said to them, I'll meet meet you again in Galilee. And Galilee is where this story takes place but I'm not entirely sure that we know how many days were between Peter realising what he'd done and meeting Jesus in this story. How many days he had to live with those feelings, those horrible feelings of guilt and shame. Not only did he live with them, but others would have known it too. I don't know if you've heard of the sociologist Brené Brand. She's an American uh, writer, researcher. She's a Christian and... Her faith infuses her work. And she, she writes and, and uh, speaks a lot about vulnerability, shame, courage. And as I was reflecting on this, uh, some, something of what she talks about came to mind. She defines guilt as, I have done something bad, and shame as, I am bad. Shame is that wave of emotion we feel when we think that if other people truly knew us, they would probably reject us. We're not enough. We're not okay. And I think this is one of the most common experiences of being human beings, feeling this sense of shame, feeling that we're not worthy, we're not enough. I think it drives much of our behavior, trying to drown it out, trying to bury it, If I look okay, if my appearance is okay, if my job is okay, if my status is okay, if my children are okay, if my family is. All these things that we strive for in some way, I think, are to help us with that feeling that we are not enough. And yet, we rarely talk about it. And we rarely support one another with that feeling of shame. Why is that, I wonder? I think it's because it feels too difficult. It's hard enough feeling it. It's even harder to talk about it and to share it with somebody else. Brene Brown suggests that shame thrives off three things. It thrives off secrecy, silence and judgment. But it can't live in love and empathy and warmth. It thrives off secrecy, silence, judgment, but it can't live in warmth, love, and empathy. And this is what we have in this passage. What Jesus is doing is bringing Peter's guilt and his shame lovingly out into the open, and he's meeting it with forgiveness, with empathy, and with restoration. It's interesting in the text that forgiveness is implied. That's not the emphasis of the the questions that Jesus asks. Forgiveness is implied. The restoration is where the emphasis is. This is why this story is so significant. Jesus is taking deliberate action to restore Peter. The salvation and the restoration are possible because of Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection. So not only is uh, Peter restored to relationship with Jesus, Peter is also signposted by Jesus to the contribution he can make to the kingdom of God in the world. Jesus handles the depth of his guilt and shame and he moves them away so that Peter can be in relationship with him and in service to him. This demonstration of forgiveness and reinstatement I think was so important to Peter for the rest of his life. But it was also important to others who witnessed it. It was a public denial So it's a public reinstatement and restoration. So this is why the story is significant. It illustrates how God deals with these core experiences we have um, of guilt and shame. And he demonstrates that there's hope beyond these experiences. So instead of stepping back and hiding, we can step forwards and we can receive forgiveness and love. So let's take a closer look at how Jesus went about this process. And there are several aspects here that I think are quite interesting to note. So the disciples had been out fishing all night. After the resurrection of Jesus, uh, they went back to Galilee, and they went back to what they knew, which was fishing. But on this particular night, they hadn't even been successful at that. And I do wonder how their spirits must have been when they turned for home that morning, having caught nothing. And then they come towards the shore, and they see Jesus. And he tells them to throw their net to the other side of the boat, and they get this enormous catch of fish. So Jesus makes a fire, and then he cooks them breakfast. I absolutely love that. The first thing he does is he cooks them breakfast. Liz will love that. She does a good brunch at the vicarage. But the first thing he does is he pays attention to their needs. He pays attention to their needs. And there's an interesting parallel there, isn't there, with what he says to Peter. The first thing he says is, feed my sheep. There are lots of parallels in this story. So there were three denials of Jesus by Peter. I don't know this man. I don't know this man. I don't know this man. There are three questions. Simon, son of John, John, do you love me? There are three answers. You know I love you. And there are three statements. Feed my sheep take care of my lambs, feed my sheep. I wonder if Peter noticed these parallels. I wonder if anybody else noticed those parallels. I suspect Peter didn't, because we heard in the text that he got hurt the third time. Maybe it was only later it dawned on him, that kind of, that those symbolic parallels with um, the experience before. They were gathered round a fire. Jesus was, uh, Peter was gathered round a fire when he made the denials. There's a lot of symbolism in this story. Notice that Jesus calls Peter Simon, son of John. So this was Peter's name, Simon, son of John. And back in chapter 1 of John, when Jesus first meets Peter, he meets him as Simon, son of John, and he, he gives him the name Peter. So notice in this restoration story, he takes Peter back to the very beginning almost. That first moment Peter encountered Jesus, that revelation of Jesus, you are the Lord, uh, he takes him back by, by calling him Simon, son of John again. Notice the question that Jesus asked. I wonder if you noticed this. He asked a particular question three times. And it struck me that there could have been a whole range of other questions that he might have asked Peter at this point, many of which we're quite obsessed by in our Christian communities. He could have asked, do you believe in me? He could have asked, will you follow me? Will you obey my commands? Will you tell others about me? Will you stand up for my name? Will you be faithful to me? He could have asked any of those, but what did he ask? He asked, do you love me? So here we have the primary emphasis being on Peter asserting and stating that he loves Jesus. God was primarily interested in our love for him. Reflecting back to shame, love is the antidote to shame. Love casts out all fear. The heart of this is love. Love is the antidote to shame that feeling that we're not enough, the thing that meets that and moves it away is love. Notice then the importance of Jesus' responses to Peter after those three declarations of love. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my lambs. Jesus is clearly giving responsibility here to Peter. So Jesus is about to leave and the Holy Spirit will come and to continue his work. And Jesus is... Essentially saying to Peter, work alongside the Holy Spirit in shepherding my flock. Undoubtedly, what he's talking about here is spiritual food for his lambs. Um, Feed my lambs. What Jesus is saying is, you're worthy enough to play your part. I want you to play your part. Shame would tell us that we're not worthy, that we can't play our part, we're not enough. Here, Jesus is saying, you are enough. Uh, You're worthy and you can be trusted. This is like a friend not only accepting an apology but then going on to entrust us with something that they really care about that's precious to them. It's more than just the apology. It's then handing something over. This is the opposite of what shame would tell us we can do. So the restoration is complete as, as Jesus lays out Peter's future contribution and how he can play his part in God's work in the world. So as I close, let's reflect on the implications of this very compassionate and this very hopeful story for us. What we see is that in spite of Peter stumbling, in spite of him stepping back, in spite of him denying the person he loved, Jesus is willing to embrace him and to forgive him and to use him. So we see that Jesus' ability to forgive and to use is far, far greater than our guilt or our shame. God's ability to forgive and to use is far, far greater than our guilt or our shame. It's true for Peter, it's true for us. More than that, there's a contribution we can and we're welcome to make He asks for our love. That's enough. I wonder how willing we are to bring those feelings of guilt and shame out into the open and allow them to be enveloped by the warmth and love of God's forgiveness and His grace. How much do we hold ourselves back because of those feelings? How much do we step back rather than step forward? because it's too difficult to bring that out into the open. Perhaps as each one of us reflect on this passage today, we can consider this week where we might find that we're holding ourselves back, either because we feel shame in front of God or in front of someone else. Perhaps we can pray for the courage to share that with somebody that we trust, and to pray with them. So that we can bring that to um, the openness and to the light and love of God. Perhaps we could take the courage into our hands to allow that to be washed away and to step forward in our contribution. So instead of stepping back, we could step forward and, um, and work with God in the world. This is a beautiful story, and it's a story of restoration for all of us.